0: EA Sports. It's in the game.
1: That's what it sounded like, man. That game, every time that commercial came on, folks knew what it meant. There are many reports out there, and they've been confirmed there will be some version of college sports games that return to the scene. There is no definitive timeline for it. There is no definitive partner who will do it. But it is going to be allowed. Now, this has uh, has come more to the fore a few months ago, uh, just as it became apparent. Uh, you know, state of California, they passed their name, image, and likeness law, you know, just where it's no longer illegal, basically. Student-athletes aren't going to lose their scholarship in the state of California back in 2019, and California – Try to do everyone a favor, at least try to do the NCAA in favor and say, all right, ours isn't going to go into effect until 2023. We're giving you four years to get your act together, NCAA. They didn't. So more and more states stepped into it. Uh, the state of Illinois, the most recent one to say not only has their bill, will their bill pass and, and become law, but it's going to be in place by July 1st. That that will be uh, the eighth state that will have a name, image, and likeness law in place for July 1st, let alone uh, a number of other states who will have it uh, going into effect for, uh, for bills that have been presented, and most importantly, laws that have been passed that will go into effect uh, either later this year and in the following years to come. So it's working down the down the pipe for so many different folks around here. But specifically to the video game topic, I am curious. Uh, let, let's start with Studs here. I believe Studs is still on the mic, uh, but he's what got Caesar Perez in there too. Are are you first off? Are you a gamer? I'd
2: say so. Yes, I'm not a serious, serious gamer, but I've played my fair share.
1: In so you don't have like a headset, you haven't built a computer specific so to I, video So I
2: do have a headset, but I've never built a computer. Although a lot of my friends have, I
1: I it, don't use the if computer. If you got a game. video game headset, then you're a gamer. I mean, to yeah. Me, okay, that's see, yeah, right yeah.
2: Like I've I've just never gotten to the point where I actually built like a tower. I I use I'm a I'm a console gamer, so I use the I'm on a PS5 right now. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, a bunch of my friends have built towers, though. So yes, I, is, I I would consider myself a gamer.
1: And now, do you focus on like the adventure games, Are you out there shoot 'em up style, or do you do a lot of the sports video games?
2: I spray to all fields. I would you okay. know i i played I played a significant amount of Madden in NCAA <laughs> growing up, especially. But I also would play you know Grand Theft Auto and st- stuff like that. So yeah, all it's right.
1: pretty much pretty eclectic gaming i would say and so with that in mind then the, the ea sports college football game actually let me uh let me take a quick look when the last version of that was or 2014 2014 all right stars already has that so 2014 so you were not uh, a wee lad you were much younger than than you were now but you're old enough to be playing video games so do you have Legit memories of playing the EA Sports College football game?
2: Oh, of course. Yeah, I played every NCAA football game from 2004 through 2011. Okay. I I didn't play the next two after that, but it's because I was just still playing 2011 because I, <laughs> I didn't see a need to upgrade. Because <laughs> I All had right. an Illini dynasty that I was cruising with, so I didn't really? see a need to upgrade.
1: You must have been pretty skilled if you have an Illini dynasty going, oh, to, or or is dynasty just like a gaming term for you just keeping the same team
2: you know? I won four consecutive national
1: championships with Illinois. Oh, way. look at you. The greatest coach in Illini football history, Adam Studzinski. So if this, uh, it, well, I shouldn't even say if. Took when Ron players returns, to the promised land, man. Yes, that, that's what you do. You're a developer of talent. Um, so when the game returns in whatever form or fashion that it does, whether that's next month, next year, five years from now when the game returns, it sounds like you're going to be a guy playing it. Are you going to take issue if there's a version of the system that's in place then where athletes are are getting paid for the distribution of that game?
2: Oh, absolutely not. They should get paid for that. They should have got paid originally. I didn't understand in my youth what kind of a problem that actually was, even though like, I always thought that the way they got around, not paying the athletes by just having no names. I always knew that was just totally ridiculous. <laughs> like, of, like, of course I know who number seven on USC is. It's Matt uh, Leinart. Everyone knows who that is. I know right. who number five on USC, you know, I know who number 10 on Texas is like, so, you know, it's, it's not like in plus they looked exactly like them. It's not, like, it's not as if they were really getting away with anything. They just didn't have their names and that's why they didn't have to pay. So like, it made sense when, they were finally were like, ah, yeah, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yeah, so gotta, but yeah, like to be a bit too much.
2: Of course, yeah. If if you are have your likeness remotely in the game, yeah, you should be paid for it because people are, you know, EA is profiting off of it, NCAA is profiting off of it. Like, you know, people are making millions of dollars off of this game. You should get a share of it.
1: Makes sense to me. Uh, Cesar Perez, uh, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I'm going to presume that you are certainly younger than me. Now, again, admittedly, I am not a big-time gamer, but I did. Like, the two games when I was in college in the late 90s that were really, really big deals for my teammates were the the EA Sports College football game. Uh, There was three. There was EA Sports College football. There was Mario Kart, which apparently is still popular, you know, two decades later and then there was a uh, James Bond like 007 so before there was a uh, legendary before there was Call of Duty and uh and whatever other shoot 'em up games are out there there was 007 and everybody was playing. now is 007 still out there did that get retired with Call of Duty when that came out
2: they 007 they don't really make that anymore they i mean pre- people still play it on on just the original 64 console but oh. i don't i can't remember the last time they made a 007 game
1: Okay. It's been quite a while. I will shed a single tear and, and pour out uh, a little bit of my, my water bottle here uh, when we get to a commercial break. Well, there's
2: no year. need to upgrade from perfection. GoldenEye is one of the greatest games of all time. Like, that's, you, that's there, you don't point, go so up from
1: that. That is a very valid point. Cesar Perez, uh, would, would you describe yourself as a gamer, sir?
2: Oh, most definitely. I mean, you know, I'm a big uh, sports video game fanatic, actually. And uh, oh. so I'm 35. So you put me in that age range. And okay. I have to tell you, me personally, I still own a copy of NCAA football 14 that I play really? at home <laughs> on an Xbox 360. <laughs> and if you were to look for that game online to purchase it at the moment, there's people selling that game for $80 online for really? an NCAA football 14 game for the Xbox 360 that you you would be paying about 80 bucks to purchase that game right now.
1: Now, uh, the Xbox 360, there's been, what, probably like four or five other Xboxes since then? Would that be Well,
2: accurate? just uh, two, right? There was the 360, then there was Xbox One. Is, no, that's it. No, is there another one I'm missing? Because I, I stopped buying Xbox after the 360. So, the, yeah, there's been two since
1: the 360. I can't remember their actual names that was another one of those can't improve on perfection situations in the studs NC household um uh, so well, no season- i just oh. moved on to playstation because my ah. Xbox.
2: oh so it's xbox one and then xbox series x that's what it is the series x is the newest one so there's been two generations of xbox consoles since the 360 but i got sick of the xbox and moved on to the sony systems
1: I see. So Caesar, would you would you take any issue then for uh, for an individual who's been at this gaming thing and is passionate about sports video games? Would you take any issue if the game returns and folks start to cut checks to student athletes while the game's being distributed?
2: Whatever gets me a new copy of that game, I'm all for. <laughs> That's I got to say that.
1: <laughs> that seems fair. That seems fair. Like if you know if you don't have any issue with it, as long as it's something that benefits you, you are not going to take issue with somebody else profiting from your enjoyment. Then it makes all the sense in the world, in my opinion. So I, I cannot quibble with that in the least. Um, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read a couple of texts here on the uh, on the text zone. Text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at Rosen Hyundai. There have been a couple of funny texts that came in. Um, And specific to this topic, like, well, even in the previous topic, uh, where I was having the more detailed discussion with Napoleon Harris. And one person said, well, uh, will the Academian be able to monetize his abilities, too? I would edit that. Uh, The Academian be able to monetize his or her abilities, too. The answer to that is simply yes. I mean, they already can. There, there's nothing that stops uh, by academia, and I assumed you just mean a standard student who is not participating in intercollegiate athletics. So yeah, just some random college student being able to monetize their abilities. Yeah, there's nothing that stops them from doing that. There's no NCAA saying that students can't go out and get jobs. Like right now, the rule still is scholarship athletes can't go out and get jobs during the, the standard school year. Now in the summer, you can go have... You know, limited summer jobs, certain hours a week, and you know, they track how much you make and all that kind of stuff. But just a student, yes. And frankly, students who are on scholarship for things aside from sports can monetize their abilities as well. Like if you're if you're there as a as a cellist or as a as a flaut, flautist, if you play the flute, if you play the clarinet, if, you, if you're in the band, if you're in a, on a, a singing scholarship. You know, you can be on scholarship in a variety of other ways. You can be on an academic scholarship. Now, I don't know who's going to want to pay some, someone in academics, some great student who's there on an academic scholarship for, you know, an autograph signing. Or well, you can tutor. In.
2: You can tutor people,
1: right? True. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That would be a way to go about it, right? So you're profiting from your name, image, and likeness if you're tutoring people. That would be the same as hosting a football camp, right, if you go out and start tutoring people for the LSATs or something like that. Yeah. You're out there doing the same thing that the student athlete will be able to do once this becomes law. Or but you can, nothing.
2: Or, Sorry, I mean to cut you off there, man. But yeah. like, like, you can look at it like this. So, when I was in school, I was, I, I was in, my major was broadcasting, and they had several opportunities that I was able to take advantage of to like, get real world experience by being an announcer for Western Illinois' sports teams. Mm. I got paid for that. By the university. <laughs> and so that is using my likeness to exactly like what you're saying, using my skills and my likeness and getting paid by the school. And yet, like the athletes that I was announcing weren't getting paid. I mean, a lot of them obviously on scholarships. They're getting that, but they weren't getting anything besides their scholarships.
1: And I'm sure you were paid handsomely as well. It was university. actually
2: not too bad. It was <laughs> it was enough money. <laughs> it was enough money where I didn't have to have like a a, a job my senior year. I just wow. got I got enough money from the university to to Look live on. Jew. I also was fortunate enough. My parents paid my rent, so like, I didn't have to worry about that.
1: All right, all right, yeah. All kinds of admissions being made here on the score. I feel that it was, uh, pri- it, was uh, it was it was.
2: As, as privileged of a college lifestyle as you can be, and, and you know, I would say so anyway. I was lucky,
1: right? So, the previous response was to an 815 texture uh, from the 708. Uh, big time recruits already getting paid, bring it all above board. And so, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to say all the big time recruits are already getting paid, but I would say the bring it above board part, especially, is, is where I'm in kismet with the 708 texture here because to. To be able to say that, and especially most of these state laws, like Napoleon Harris was talking about in the last hour, most of them have some sort of provision in there, like the the law in the state of Ohio, where actually the athletic director, Gene Smith, from the Ohio State University, was there at a press conference with the senator from the state of Ohio, uh, Niraj Antani, who they held the press conference together. And one of the things that came up in their press conference where Ohio was trying to get their law into effect by July first as well, uh, they just need their governor to sign it into law, which I don't believe has happened yet. but one of the things that came up there was sort of specific to the the notion that um you know you, you want student athletes to be able to have the same ability as regular students you know out there on whether it's on an academic scholarship or anything else, um, but to bring it all above board is going to be key in their provisions in the the law from the state of Ohio. That say that, you know, student athletes, while they don't necessarily need to get it cleared by the school, but these things will need to be filed with the school. And that's part of what Napoleon Harris was talking about, making sure that athletes will be able to have representation. You can go out and and have essentially an agent who will help guide you through this, these processes and procedures. And, you know, in the state of Ohio, the Ohio State University, they're going to have an educational process in place with this as well for their student athletes just to figure out and and to start and, and get a better sense for How do you read contracts? How do you work with representatives who work for you to go through negotiations for, you know, however someone's going to, you know, try and acquire your services for things of this sort. So all of it, viewing it through that lens of, you know, it's your NIL, your name, image, and likeness. It's the school is already profiting from your name, image, and likeness anyway, so why shouldn't you also be able to do that as well? And then the educational end of it, preparing student athletes for real world experiences and not real world experience. Like everyone is going to become Justin Fields and become a high draft pick or have these national sponsorship opportunities. But when you enter the workforce, there is deal making that takes place in every walk of life. So this will be valuable experience and educational procedures for all of them, regardless of that. So I'm I'm glad we got to, you know, sort of delve into this discussion a little bit more as news continues to develop. That's part of what I'm going to you know, look to do here is make sure we still, you know, keeping folks here in the Chicago area updated on what's happening on the college sports landscape also because there is so much news that continues to develop along those lines. So I try to make sure I'm feeding that portion of the, of the populace here in and around the city in addition to all the great football discussion, the hoops discussion, and what we're going to do after this timeout, more of the baseball discussion. Sox were off today. Cubs, another big win sweeping the Padres. Man, this is a big month the Cubs are in the midst of. They are starting it out in big fashion right now. So we'll take a time out and talk to Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio, get his thoughts. What's happening on the north side? What's on the way on the south side? This big month that the Cubbies are in the midst of right now. Is this sustainable? So you can get that national perspective on baseball here in our fair city. We'll do that next year on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The score. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Cubs sweep the
0: Padres. Routine fly ball to right near the line. Ortega made the grab. The Cubs start to congratulate themselves. And they have swept all three... From the San Diego Padres, the final today, Cubs 6, Padres
1: 1. Fun time to follow baseball here in the city of Chicago. and and we knew it was going to be interesting. We knew it was going to be entertaining in a lot of different ways. We didn't know that even sustaining major injuries on both sides of town, you would have multiple first place teams a couple of months into the season. But that is the situation we find ourselves in right now in our fair city. So let's get some national perspective on what's happened here. Let's get it from Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio. Also a host for the Arizona Diamondbacks and their coverage out there in Phoenix. Also, but Mike. You know how things work here in Shy City. Cubs and Sox getting it done, man. Did you see this coming? Uh, No.
0: I mean, I think we when we talked right before the season started, you know, the concern was I think we may have talked, what, right after the Eloy Jimenez injury, right, or right yeah. around then. And, you know, the, the thought was that the Twins were going to be really good and that this would probably impact them, and the Twins have not been very good. And the White Sox have played great baseball. And, um, you know, they've gotten – you know the fact that they were willing to go with Andrew Vaughn on opening day, put him on the opening day roster has been really good. My guy Jake Lamb has performed very well. so a uh, base percentage over four hundred now, and um, you know their starting pitching has been dynamite. I mean, I think you guys it certainly Lance Lynn is one of those guys. I think you always can kind of appreciate from afar, and then when he pitches for your team, you get really excited about it. And he's got that kind of Chicago mentality to him. So I think from the Sox standpoint. I think they're, you know, they're a really good team and their starting pitching has carried them Uh, and through, you know, both the the Jimenez and the Robert injury um, it's been big and for the Cubs, it's been more, you know, kind of nickel dimed injuries. You know, a lot of guys missing a little bit of time, Um, but their rotation has stayed relatively healthy until the, the Trevor Williams appendectomy. Um, They are doing it a little differently than most other teams. They have the lowest average fastball velocity of any rotation in the majors and, uh, you know, they're getting weak contact and, Hendricks has got it dialed in. He's just pitched better. So, like, and the offense has been, you know, what what people anticipated—the offense being consistently over the last five or six years—and a big part of that is the resurgence of Chris Bryant. So, um, you know, I think they're a little bit more of a surprise than the White Sox, and that we thought, you know, they they would be competitive because that division was going to be pretty close one through four. But the fact that they're in first place now you know, on June 2nd at the end of play on June 2nd is a pretty big story. And, and now it's going to change, you know, if they continue to play well through the month of June, I think it's going to change the complexion of not just that division race, but how the trade market is perceived as well.
1: And on on the North side of town, let's stick there for a moment because that trade market end of things, that was a part of our discussion you and I had before the regular season began as well. It feels like Jed Hoyer is going to be in a, in kind of a sticky situation because you know the marching orders were likely from from the the folks who cut the checks there, the Ricketts family, that let's unload some cash. So you unload you Darvish and you know you, you let Schwarber and Lester walk, but you didn't you didn't have the return available on some of these other let's call them assets. The, these great players, a part of the core that are still here right now, but they're performing at such a level that the team is not only in first place but seems to be ascending in the midst of these other nickel and dime injuries how do you think the cubs sort of dissect whether or not they should move assets even in the midst of being a first place team
0: well i don't think they should move assets i mean if they're going to be a first place team i mean i don't think that i don't think those players should get moved i mean your goal in this is to win right so unless you have marching orders from ownership that you need to, you know, cut payroll immediately. And then that's a whole nother can of worms. If that's the case, then I think you can question everything about ownership. Um, You know, if I think otherwise you're, you're playing to win. Right. And listen, I think we even said this winter that, that a couple of those guys in particular Bryant and Rizzo were players that the Cubs should extend. It's very difficult to replace players like that. It's very difficult to replace Chris Bryant. You're not going to be able to, trade for enough value to replace that one player or likely ever draft that kind of player again. And so I think their best bet is at least as it looks right now, now listen, they could have a miserable June and that changes the equation and it makes the decision easier, but you're never going to get, you know, value so to speak, in terms of, of future production for those guys at the trade deadline, especially since bats just don't get you as much at the deadline. So I think, they're in a really – I don't – I actually think it's that tricky a position. I think I, – I, knowing – I don't know Jed Hoyer super well, but I've known him enough over the last 15 years to know that he's looking at this as an opportunity to be able to add to his roster to keep this team uh, afloat atop the National League Central and to try and win a very winnable division with the chance that they can go to the postseason and, and perhaps beyond. So – I, I look at them as being, you know, right now they're in a clear buyer category for me. I wouldn't even put them in a in a, a must-see. Now, again, that can change in three weeks, but as of right now, I mean, I think you know, if they're going to play like in June, you know, even close to what they did in May, that, that they have to be adding, not subtracting.
1: And Chris Bryant is such a, a nice guy and a really respectful guy, and the Cubs are super professional and respectful as well, but... These contract talks between Bryant and the organization have been ongoing for a couple of seasons now, and they haven't been able to reach an accord in the midst of some up-and-down performance from Bryant in recent seasons as well. So I wonder where now they're in a situation where if they don't either trade him or find some way to extend him before the end of the season, they risk him walking for nothing. So do do you think that factors into – whether or not they they should even consider moving him beforehand, because he may just walk away for nothing in the offseason. I,
0: I don't think you can if you're in. I don't think you're you can if you're in competition. I mean, it's not nothing, right? Because you do get draft pick compensation back. I mean, even if they're to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement, those rules won't go in effect in, in, for something like draft pick compensation until the winter of 2022, not the winter of 2021, 22. So, would go into effect for 22, 23. So. I think, yeah, that's if you're looking at it from purely a, a portfolio management strategy, that would be it. But that's that's not the, the goal isn't to accumulate the most potential war or the most potential years of control. The goal is to win a championship and you can't do it in 2021 without Chris Bryant. And the other part of it is that they should just like, listen. The reason that they have not extended Bryant is in part because you're right. He's had some injuries and so the numbers are up and down but they also haven't been willing to give him a market value extension, which is what his agent wants. And all of the talk about Chris, uh, Chris Bryant's agent, Scott Boris, not doing extensions and not wanting to do extensions is a little bit overblown. He very rarely does a club friendly extension. It's happened a couple of times. Jared Weaver comes to mind as one, even when Maddox went to the Braves instead of going to the Yankees. But those were spots where he wanted to be like the, the player drives the boat, right? So if the player wants to stay in a spot, so bad that he's going to take a below market deal, Scott will do it. Otherwise, you're employing him to get you the best deal possible, which means he'll do an extension if you pay market value for it. So if the Cubs are willing to pay market value for Chris Bryant, they'll retain Chris Bryant. it's I think it's as simple as that. They have a, an exclusive negotiating window from this day through, through, what, five days after the end of the World Series that they could – try and take care of this and not have to compete with anybody else. If they really believe that he is a core piece of their team going forward. Otherwise, you know, the the idea of maybe losing him and not getting anything. And listen, that's the risk that you took by not paying him before. And and now you've got a chance for it to pay off of the championship. I think if you trade him, it is a huge mistake unless things fall apart over the course of the next six weeks, which, you know, they could, I mean, they can for just about any team and their margin for error isn't super great. But if it did fall apart, then I think that equation changes in terms of would you be willing to move him in order to get assets back or get players back in an effort to try and make another run at it in 22 or 23 or whenever you do. But if you're going to be competitive, you absolutely have to keep Chris Bryant.
1: Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio here with me on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score He is on Twitter at Mike underscore Farron. Um, A name we haven't mentioned in this call yet that you and I discussed a little bit uh, the previous time we spoke was Javi Baez. And my Mm -hmm. case I was making before the season is that Chris Bryant at the end of this season was going to get paid a large quantity of money by someone, whether it was the Cubs or elsewhere, because he had sort of put that resume in place. And I felt like this season was biggest out of the core between Rizzo and Contreras and Bryant. I felt like it was the biggest season for Javi Baez because there's such, there's such drastic difference in, in how he's sort of perceived and, frankly, at, at times in his performance. And now he's getting hot here. In recent uh-huh. weeks, we're seeing highlights in the field. We're seeing huge monster home runs at the plate. What do you think the, the market would end up dictating for Javi Baez, who brings value not only on the diamond, but, man, is he popular?
0: Yeah, well, I I think so too. And no what was the 14th of the year today, right? Like all yeah. of a sudden he's among the league leaders in home runs in the National League. But I, mean, I think you hit on a couple of things. I mean, I think there's some things with with bias that worry you about how he ages offensively because um he doesn't you know manage the strike zone very well. He he chases quite a bit. Um, you know, and the so the strikeout rate is, wa- is high and the walk rate is low, but as you mentioned, the power is spectacular and You know, I think we said in the conversation before, like he is just an otherworldly instinctual baseball player. Right. So you've got this great defensive instincts at shortstop with the athleticism to stay at the position. But he's probably not as complete a player as, um, you know, Trevor Story or Carlos Correa, maybe, or or Corey Seager, who are also going to be free agents. So he probably slots in fourth in that. You know, as to what that number looks like, I don't know. I mean, its I, I think it's probably still south of $100 million total, um, but I don't know how much. And and to be honest, you know, we're still so early in the season that I haven't, you know, tried to figure out where those numbers are going to be. I mean, we know the bar is at 341 for Lindor, and we know that Seeger, you know, his his representative is Scott Boras, too. He's going to try and push to get as close to that number as he possibly can story is probably the better all round player even though his numbers look a little down right now he's going to be fine his numbers are going to look fine by the end of the year um so i think i think he probably still slots into that spot um but you know like listen i think you hit on something that's really important too and that's if okay so like if they make the decision to go all in on all three of the big offensive free agents right bryant rizzo baez you know baez is as you said, incredibly popular and to some respects, because he does the most amazing things that, that any of them do, he's the most marketable of the stars. And so I I think it, it's, I think you can create a package of the three of them together and, you know, Make it reasonable. I have no problem spending Tom Rickett's money. I don't know if you've noticed that.
1: So, <laughs> I don't
0: think any of us should, right? Like, like they, they've got they've got a really good product with three really good high end players. Like you draft and develop those players to make them the core of your franchise going forward, and you can still build around those guys so long as you know ownership is willing to commit the resources to it. So. I don't know what the number ends up looking like for Baez. I don't think much has changed for me in terms of where the rankings go for him. I don't know that they're going to change much this year because, again, the plate discipline stuff isn't going to change. But Manacy, a good defender. Manacy, fun to watch. And he also can, like, apparently pull Jedi mind tricks on rookie <laughs> first baseman, which is pretty impressive.
1: <laughs> you will not tag me in time. You will allow the run to score. Yeah. He, Jim DeShay is
0: shouting, Keep going, you're invisible, is one of the greatest <laughs> moments of this season. <laughs>
1: It did not get any better than that. And that, that was classic hobby. That's The whole hobby being hobby yep. thing that the world yep. got to see. Um, you, you also, on, on the radio, you had Book Shambi on the show apparently today. And you were able to discuss Lou Gehrig Day. The and Major League Baseball had their inaugural Lou Gehrig Day today and raising awareness for ALS and raising yeah. money for ALS, and I'm, I'm curious, what was Boog willing to share with you? Did he talk about his uh, whatever anticipation there may have been for singing the seventh inning stretch? Yeah,
0: well, so we talked a little bit about the seventh inning stretch. So he and I actually did a special for Sirius today that ran um, that was talking to players whose families have been impacted by by ALS. So it was Stephen Piscotti of the A's whose you know, family situation is probably the most famous because the Cardinals traded him to the A's so he could be closer to his mom. His mom, Gretchen, passed away three years ago. Sam Hilliard with the Rockies, his dad is currently dealing with ALS and Jacob Nottingham with the Mariners. Who had an aunt and a grandmother, both on his dad's side, who passed away from from um, the complications from ALS. And so, most of what we were doing was trying to raise awareness. Project Main Street, which is Books charity, is a tremendous organization. You can go to ProjectMainStreet.org, And I know the folks at Obvious Shirts have put together these great t shirts that I have to get my uh, ALS sucks t shirt ordered um, because that it absolutely does. And and so. I think the biggest thing for Boog was less about the seventh inning stretch, and although that was kind of cool, but more about continuing to raise awareness and raise funding. You know, his charity is a little bit different in that what they do is they try to raise funding for care. His best friend Tim Sheehy, um, you know, d- died of ALS with 20 years ago. And what they did when they started Project Main Street was to try and help, you know, people pay bills or, you know, equipment is really expensive. And, um, you know, retrofitting a house to be able to deal with some of the things that that you have to um, when you're dealing with a, a neurological disease is very difficult. And so that's a lot of what Project Main Street does is focus on care Versus the, the cure part, there are plenty of organizations that focus on the cure as well, and they are well worth donating to. So I think the fact that we spent an entire day doing it, you know, one of my favorite stories that he told me was that um, as he was kind of ramping up the, the, the publicity machine for, you know, for ALS and for, for Lou Gehrig Day that he found out that Tommy Nance's dad is suffering from ALS. And I know he did a big piece today on him and Marquis. And that wouldn't have happened without that. And, you know, the Nance family, I mean, I'm so grateful to them that they've shared their story too. Uh, Boog is a really good friend. He's my wife's favorite broadcaster. And, you know, if you've spent five minutes with him, you know exactly why, because he's just the most wonderful human being alive. And this is important to Boog, and so it's important to us too. Um, and so the, today being the day that it was and the success and just seeing the emotions of, um, you know, these players who, um, whose families have been affected by it and so many people that have reached out who said, you know, thank you for doing this or thank you for, for making sure that, that these stories get told because ALS affected our lives. That's been really worth it, and I know that's what he wanted, and I know that's what he would say is that that's, that's what's made it successful. And I'm uh, thankful that MLB finally did something and uh, on this and allowed the – all 30 teams to participate in it and to really raise awareness. This is a really, really important day. And um, I'm glad that it's an annual thing because it is, you know, sadly it's baseball's disease because it bears Lou Gehrig's name, but we can do a lot to try and raise awareness and money for it.
1: And and lastly, just to revisit the the South side for a moment in the midst of, you know, the outfield being so banged up and, you know Tim Anderson kind of finding his way and kind of getting his bat heated up. Abreu has been a little bit up and down. I'm just curious do you, do the White Sox look like a squad that still because of their starting pitching as much as anything? Is this a a squad that's World Series caliber even if Robert, uh, you know, and or Abreu perhaps don't return at some point in the fall?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think their starting pitching is a big reason why. I mean, I think they still probably need to get some stuff ironed out in the bullpen, and every team's going to add bullpen help. And that's not to say that the White Sox can't address, you know, some of their offensive. Um, there are shortcomings towards the bottom of the lineup over the course of the summer too. I mean it's going to be hard to add a center fielder. There just aren't going to be very many center fielders available via trade um, and certainly ones who are big quality. So I, I don't know about that, but you could certainly help to find a corner bat, you know, maybe somebody who hits left-handed. You know, could then slot into the DH slot some, and um, you know, who could you know push Vaughn maybe back to first some, and bring into the DH, you know, to be able to help out, to or to to fill in for Eaton a little bit. Like, there are some things that they absolutely can do to be able to add to that offense down the stretch to help ensure that they are well positioned. If Jimenez and Robert don't come back. And I think that's, that's really my, would be my guess. And I haven't talked to Rick on lately, but I would guess that that's what Rick is thinking is like, okay, if we get something from those guys, that's a huge bonus, but let's try and make our roster deep enough that we can be competitive, deep into October with it. And you're right. Starting pitching, you know, Dylan Cease is going to be a guy that maybe not go deep into games in the playoffs, but he's not going to be somebody anybody wants to put face in the playoffs. Cause he misses bats. Giolito misses bats. Lance Lynn misses bats. You know, Keichel doesn't, but he's so good at, at the extremes of getting ground balls that they really have set up a strong rotation. And then, you know, either it's Rondon—I should say—it's either Carlos Rodon or, or it's Cease that's in the rotation because Rodon's been fantastic. And if one of those guys go to the bullpen, then all of a sudden you're talking about like Kopech, Crochet, and you know somebody else. And th- th- I get that this is putting the cart before the horse a little bit because we still have a hundred games to go. But if they are fortunate enough to get there, I think they're very well positioned because they're pitching and there is enough offense there.
1: Just enough. Just enough. And we will watch it closely as it plays out, man. Two teams in first place. We're in June. All is right with the world, Mike Farron. I appreciate you joining me again, man.
0: Anytime, Anthony. It's good to talk to you. Take care.
1: That is Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio on Twitter at Mike underscore Farron. Such a nice guy. And his time is always valuable here with me on the score. When we return, though, as we were talking about both teams, both sides of town, there's been so many different storylines from both the Cubs and the Sox the injury and everything else with their managers and highlights, you name it. I'm just really curious which one of these squads you out there may think has more of a World Series ceiling. We didn't expect it for the Cubs. We expected it for the Sox. Both lineups look fairly different now, especially on the north side than they did earlier this season if something's going to be added, where do they find it? Just a, a little compare and contrast as we get ready to close this thing out. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Aunt Heron. This is The Score. Anthony Heron taking down the close here on The Score. And uh, one of the things that, that came up when I was talking to State Senator Napoleon Harris earlier in the show about name, image, and likeness. We we both, we came out of high school. uh, Our senior years were in 1996, um, and, you know, that was the fall, and then we both graduated in 97. He goes on Northwestern. I go on to Iowa. So I I took a a quick look here. So it was the 1996 Chicago Sun-Times all-area team. So essentially the the all-state team that uh, the Sun-Times put out that year and uh, I was just looking at some of the names on the list. So myself and Napoleon, we both went on to play in the Big Ten and, and play in the NFL. Napoleon did so longer than I did. Uh, Antonio Harris, a high school teammate of mine at Bolingbrook High School, was the running back on the, the Sun-Times All-State team. Um, and he was a junior that year. And Antonio went on to play at Illinois and then play in the NFL as well. Uh, he actually, Antonio, spent some time with the Bears so a, a name that will sound very familiar, at least the last name, to a lot of you out there. Luke Buckus was one of the offensive linemen on the All-State team named by the Sun-Times that year. He's the nephew of Dick Buckus. So that was the one of the two times, I think, over the years I got to meet Dick Buckus uh, where um, Dick was there with his brother, Luke's dad. Uh, but Dick showed up to one of the All-State banquets that we had. Um, and let's see. And I was actually I was an offensive lineman. On that team, by the way, um, I was not a defensive lineman on the All-State team. Uh, that was, you know, one. Yes, I started both ways. Not bad on the offensive line, but um, uh, you know, they just, you know, were able to divvy things up that way. But also, I was a multi-year varsity starter on offense, not on defense. I didn't even start as a defensive lineman on varsity my junior year in high school. I was addressing that with uh, with Lawrence Holmes on uh, his House of Veil podcast. I think that was gonna gonna drop. Not the the term you folks use for uh, the, the the podcast world out there. That podcast is going to drop sometime, I think, in the next week or so, uh, with the the discussions, the segment I did with Lawrence there. But um, there's some other noteworthy players. I mentioned the name Boo uh, Boo Thompson from Proviso West. If anyone wants to wants to Google uh, the the history of Boo Boo Thompson and uh, and some of the travails of of his life, he, he ended up like he was mammoth as an individual. Like every bit of six six, two sixty. And there was actually there was an article going into all of our senior years on the cover of the Chicago Sun Times, or at least on the, the back page, like the cover of the sports page, about Boo Boo Thompson, about whether or not he would be able to go straight from high school to the NFL. Like this guy was he was the state wrestling champ. He was one of the top football recruits in the state, academically and uh let's just say mentally and emotionally uh, not the uh, not an individual who who was going to qualify immediately coming out of high school, but Booboo Thompson also on that team as well for our All State team. So I'll just take a quick look at that in the break. Quick trip down memory lane with uh, some of the names that were on the All State team, and Napoleon Harris was one of the defensive linemen on that squad, who referenced uh, obviously I've referenced earlier him going and having his great career at Northwestern. So it was a fun discussion to have with him about the topics that we covered earlier. I was talking about the the two baseball teams on each side of town here, on each side of town. White Sox schedule coming up here, far more manageable. you are just looking forward in the weeks ahead in the month of June. So there's the potential there with the division, the, the AL Central not being quite as as deep and as strong as what the anticipation was coming into the year. White Sox, even in the midst of some of the injuries that they've dealt with, could you know potentially continue to, to create a little bit of space, maybe, between themselves and the rest of the division and extend the lead there. Now, the Cubs, this is going to be a really telling stretch that the Cubs have coming up here when you look at San Francisco Giants out there doing work, playing ball. Yeah, sure, you just swept San Diego, but, I mean, you can make a case they might be They're certainly one of the most talented teams in Major League Baseball and up until getting swept here, they've been starting to do their thing as of late also. Of course, St. Louis is always a big series when you face the Cardinals and they're going to do everything they can to try and track the Cubs down. So there's some big series. You just finished up the first big series of this stretch during the month of June that the Cubs have and they finished it in fine fashion by taking three from the Padres. So we'll see where things go with the team, with the squad on the north side, but had Albert Alzali who went out there and did his thing today. The starting pitchers that are going to be coming up over the next few games for the Cubs, in some ways a bit of a who's who, but in other ways it's just a bit of a who, because I really don't know a whole lot about Cole Stewart yet. Hadn't pitched a lot in a Cubs uniform, but they've continued to find a way to make this thing happen, to make plays, and when they finally get it on in interleague play, that is obviously going to have the city as worked up as they can be about the baseball scene in the city of Chicago. So it is a very fun time to not only just cover sports at large in the city with the veterans reporting for the bears and, you know, with everything that's going on in the baseball world, but to just have the ability to say, you know what, things are opening up. Things are looking good. Like I referenced at the top of the show, I had a marvelous day, and I hope you did as well. And it led to a very fun show. So my thanks so much to Pat Finley, for joining me talking bear for Napoleon Harris talking some college sports and some name image and likeness and revenue generation on that end of things and Mike Farron completing the discussion with him about the teams on both sides of town from MLB Network Radio so great guests we had and the uh, the show overall was held down on the ones and twos by Adam Stadzinski and Cesar Perez so thank you all for listening out there appreciations and salutations all around. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Aunt Heron. As always, appreciate you listening to me here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score.
2: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone
0: 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.